Thank you for joining us today for our River of Life podcast with Brother Bill Jenkins. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrofferville.com. That's rolcrofferville.com. Now, let's join Brother Bill Jenkins as he teaches from the Word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. What a testimony. Thank God for you. Uh, this coming Sunday, immediately following the morning worship service, those of you that are going to Israel with us, we're going to be having another meeting over in the administration building. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we, we are going to Israel in January the 24th. And uh, we've got about 22 people from this church that's going. Uh, our group is uh, now around 30 people. And uh, so we've got some folks coming out of Virginia, some folks coming out of uh, North, uh, where, Linda, uh, Missouri, and uh, different places. So you pray for us as we get ready to go to Israel. Amen. And uh, God, I'm telling you what, I'm excited about what God's doing. If you've got your Bible tonight, please take it and turn to Matthew's Gospel, the 14th chapter. We're going to look at uh, something that happened in the life of the disciples. And it's recorded for us in Matthew 14 and again in Mark chapter 6. I'm going to read this passage of scripture for you. And uh, I've, I've already made a commitment to my wife that I would not preach this evening. That is what I naturally do. And I just want to share some truth with you from the word of God. Uh, one of the greatest miracles that Jesus did, uh, and he did, I mean, everything he did was fantastic, right? But uh, he took two little uh, loaves and five little fish, and they brought those to him. Now, that's a little boy's lunch. In fact, if you study most of the commentaries, they say it's a poor boy's lunch. Probably what it was was a couple of little biscuits and some fish salve, is what we would call it, or a fish jelly. And he would spread that, and he would eat that. Well, they brought that to Jesus. And Jesus took it and he blessed that and he had everybody sit down. And the word of God says that they were around 5,000 men. They didn't count the women. They didn't count the children. And that Jesus blessed that little two loaves and five fishes. And everybody ate until they were full. And when they got full, Jesus said, all right, now you gather up the fragments and the disciples went out into that crowd of 5,000 and they gathered up 12 baskets full of fragments. Is that a miracle or what? That miracle is the only one that is recorded in all four of your gospels. Okay? Immediately following that miracle, the Bible starts, Matthew chapter 14, verse number 22. And straightway... The word straightway in the King James, if you've got a different translation, it probably reads immediately. I mean, just as soon as they got through gathering up the fragments, Jesus says, he, and straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into his ship and go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. So the disciples have left. Everybody, the 5,000, the men, the women, the children, they've all left. 
and Jesus is alone praying. Verse 24. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea and is tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Verse 27. But straightway, Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bidst me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Wow. <laughs> People talk about, well, he sunk. He walked on water. Okay. I don't know about you. I've been fishing all my life. I have never seen that happen. The Bible says in verse number 30, but when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and he caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Now, Mark records this in Mark chapter 6 and verses number 45 and 51. And I'm not going to read the whole thing here again for you. It's basically the same thing. But I do want to point out a couple of things that Mark mentions that Matthew didn't mention. And uh, if you'll notice in verse 51 of Mark 6, this is what he said. He said, and he went up into them, into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were so amazed in themselves beyond measure, and they wondered, verse 52, here's what I want you to see. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Now there, Jesus has just performed this miracle, this feeding of the 5,000, 12 baskets have been taken up. And uh, so there's there's several lessons that I just want to share with you here tonight. The first one is this. Dr. H.A. Ironsides and his little commentary on the book of Matthew is quick to point out that this particular instance is a foreshadowing of the church and the dispensation of grace in which you and I live. And here's what he says. You and I, the church, have been commissioned to finish we are to go to the other side to get to where Jesus is. And while we are out here in the midst of the sea, the wind is blowing, the world and all that it is is trying to cave in on top of us and destroy the church. But Jesus, he's praying for the church. You got scripture for that preacher? I'm so glad you asked. You don't have to turn there. But over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, just as Jesus was on the mountain praying for the disciples in the midst of the sea when the storm came, the word of God says this, Hebrews 7, verse 25. He says, wherefore he is able, talking about the Lord Jesus, to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. 
And then this scripture, and you can just write this down if you want to. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 34. The Bible asks the question, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again. And I love this. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. I'm glad he's on our side, aren't you? I'm glad that the church in this dispensation of grace, even though we know we're going to have some troubles. John chapter 16, verse number 33, Jesus Christ, he told us, he said, in this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world in the midst of the world in which you and I live. And we got a lot of things going on in this old world right now. Understand this. For those who are the true church of the Lord Jesus, those who have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of their life, Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of his Father, making intercession for us. Isn't that good? Somebody ought to shout in here tonight. Oh, listen, friend, I don't care how bad it gets. You got somebody on your side that's never lost a battle. Doesn't matter how black the sky gets. Or how hard the wind blows. Or how much water gets in the boat. Now listen, I told you a while ago, I fished a lot in my life. It's one thing when water, when the boat's in the water. But it's something entirely different when the water's in the boat. Say amen. And, and I'm glad when water gets in my boat. That I've got someone sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Who's making intercession for me. Tremendous dispensational lesson there. And uh, you'll need to grasp a hold of that, okay? There's also within this a practical lesson. By design, our Lord many times will tell you, do something. And in the process of doing exactly what the Lord told you to do, the whole world will cave in on top of you. You understand that? You understand that the disciples are not out there in the boat because they suddenly decided that they'd take a break. They're not out there in the boat because they suddenly decided that they'd just run off and leave Jesus. Jesus, according to Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 14 and verse number 22, he constrained them to get into the boat. That's the King James Version. The, the word in the uh, other version that I was reading says that he urged them. You can almost see him pushing them into the boat. And as they, they're into the boat, he reaches down and grabs the boat and pushes it off from the shore. And as he's doing it, he says, now y'all go to the other side. They're in the perfect will of God. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And in the midst of this, a storm comes. <sighs> There's some times in every Christian's life when you are, you feel like you're all alone. You feel like that you are doing exactly what God told you to do. And you, you don't have anybody to lean on. In fact, there's going to be times in your Christian life where you just can't find God. 
You got scripture for that, preacher. Aren't you glad you're here tonight? Over in the book of Job, by the way, Job is the oldest book of the Bible. And just write this down. Job 23 and verses 8 through 10. This is what Job said, going through all of his trials. Y'all know about Job and you know about how they had these boils all over him. And you know how that he had lost all of his finances and he lost his family with the exception of his wife. And, and, and he's sitting out there on an ash heap and he's scraping the boils with an old pot shield. I mean, things are bad for Job, okay? And he's not there because he's done anything evil or wrong. He's, he's been following God. He's been sacrificing before God. In fact, God's even been bragging on him. And yet Job wrote this, Job 23 and verse number 8. He says, behold, I go forward, but he's not there. I go backward. I cannot perceive him. I look on the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, and I cannot see him. Do you understand what he's saying? He said, I'm looking for God everywhere, and I can't find God. But the next verse, that's what he says. He says, but he, God, knows the way that I take, and when I am tried... I shall come forth as gold. You see, you may not be able to see him, but dear friend, he's never lost sight of you. Isn't that good? The disciples are in the midst of the sea. It is the late hours of the night. The wind has come upon them. They're out there toiling and rowing. They don't see the Lord. But the Lord has been watching them the whole time and making intercession for them. Our lives as Christians, we're to live by faith. In fact, four times in your Bible, you'll find that statement. The just shall live by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number six, the word of God says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he'll be found of those who diligently seek for him. Here's one of the great truths of this passage. God's going to find out what you're made out of. Your faith. We talk about faith all the time. People say, I got faith. I got faith. I got, yeah, I got faith. God's going to find out what kind of faith you've got. You got scripture for that preacher? Aren't you glad you come tonight? First, write this down. First Peter chapter one and verse number seven. This is what Peter wrote. He says that the trial of your faith Did Peter know anything about the trial of faith? You remember, he was the one that said, Lord, I will not deny you. I won't know. If it means dying, Lord, you can count on me. I'll be there. And Jesus said three times before the cock crows this morning, you're going to deny me. And Simon Peter, no, 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 not me, Lord, not me. This is what Peter wrote. He said that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under the praise and the honor and the glory at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, he would write in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 12. He said, Beloved, so who's he talking to? He's talking to the church, those who are saved. 
Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you as though some strange thing has happened unto you. Now see, it's the will of God to find out how much faith you've got. God's in the process of refining you. In fact, you'll find this in the word of God in Romans chapter number eight. He says that God is in the process of transforming you, taking you as you are in salvation and then transforming you into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, he says in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse number 18, he says that he's in the process of, of purifying your life and changing you from glory to glory as the Holy Spirit of God works in your life. Years ago, I was told about this refining process. Uh, Dr. Jerry Baker, tremendous mentor of mine, he says that when you process gold, what happens is they take the ore and they put it into this, this vat, and then they turn the heat up. The gold and the ore all melt together and run together. But in the process of that smelting process, gold being heavier than the ore sinks. And the ore, the, the things that, the impurities, if you will, they rise to the top and they slowly skip, skim that off. And they pour the impurities out to the side. And you hear the gold saying, oh, glad that's over. <laughs> no, what they do then is they reach over and they turn the heat up. And now the heat is really boiling. And this, the impurities that weren't there before have now come to the top. And they keep skimming them off. And every time they get it skimmed off, then they turn the heat up. And this is what he said. He said, they know that it's pure gold. When they can see their reflection in it. And there's no impurities on the top. And they see their image. God is in the process. Of transforming you. Into something more valuable than gold. And in that process of trial. He's going to turn the heat up. And he'll skim off those impurities. Aren't you glad he gets rid of some of the stuff. And the junk of our lives. I'm glad I'm not like I was back in 1970. I'm, you're glad I'm not like I was back in 1975. Oh, there's been a lot of skimming going on. And what God wants to do is to be able to look at his treasure, you, and see his image shining back at him. Oh, it's a process. And it's a trial. And you're going to be in the very center of God's will, just like these disciples. And the Lord's going to come to you and say, go to the other side. And you're going to be doing just exactly what God told you to do. And in the process of that, the skies are going to turn black. And the winds are going to begin to blow. And the waves are going to get higher than the sides of the boat. And the water's going to start lapping in. And all in the world you can do is just cry out to him. Now, I'm going to give you a great truth right here. You ready? You ready for a great truth? As long as you keep trying to handle it, God will let you.
I'm going to say it again. As long as you're rowing and you're toiling and you, you, you I'm going to handle this. I can handle it. I can handle Guess what's going to happen? You're going to get more. Because God's purpose is not to get you to where you can handle it. God's purpose is to get you to the place where you give it to him. For the word of God says, cast all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. He wants to bring you to a place where he is preeminent in your life. Well, Mark chapter 6, verse number 48 says that in the process of this storm, Jesus comes to them and would have passed right on by. Did you know that was in your Bible? The Bible says that when Jesus came to them walking on the water, that he would have passed right on by had they not called out to him. Wonder how many times in your life and in my life we've been struggling with a burden and the Lord has come and made himself available to us. And yet we didn't call out to him. And what could have been deliverance? He passed right on by. You can either have Jesus calm your storm. Or you can keep on struggling against the wind. Really, the choice is yours. Much of the time, as a Christian, our failures can be traced to a moment when given the choice of depending on Christ or trying to do it ourselves. We do it ourselves. I believe that the Lord's in the process of moving us to a place where we cry out to him in all our situations. I mean, he wants to be Lord. Amen. John chapter 6, Matthew chapter 14, both of them tell him that. I, I, I wonder <laughs> when Jesus comes and, and, and they cry out, the word of God says in verse number 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. I guess maybe that would have troubled you and I as well. I don't, you know, you're out there in the middle of a storm and here comes this guy walking on the very thing that's about to sink you. And so the word of God says that they were troubled <laughs> and they began to cry out. Now listen, listen to the response of the Lord. Matthew chapter 14. And here in verse number 27, he says, be of good cheer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do you ever have to tell God what's going on in your life? You ever have to throw your hands up and say, wait a minute, God, this is not the place to be happy. I'm going through some stuff down here, Lord. The wind is blowing. It's night. We're going to die any minute. We're going through some stuff. And you hear the Lord say, be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid.
Wow. Lesson number three. Y'all keeping up? Lesson number three is simple. Jesus is able, regardless of the strength of the storm or the depth of the valley or the height of the mountain, Jesus is able. Ephesians 3.20 says he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think according to the power that work can give you. And that's the Holy Spirit of God, dear friend. We, we, we've not tapped into that as much as we should. Lesson number four. This is what I call the case of Simon Peter. I've been studying the Bible for over 40 years. I was uh, in my study studying this passage of scripture about a month ago. And I saw something here that I have never seen before. In fact, I called pastor on telephone. I said, Brother Henry, listen to this. (laughs) And I know sometimes he thinks I'm the dumbest rock in the whole garden, you know, because he saw this years ago. It just takes me a little bit longer than some. Matthew 14, 28. The word of God says, and Peter answers him. Now, Jesus has just said, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answers him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come to thee on the water. Do you see what just happened here? Number one, Simon Peter is not really sure it's the Lord. He said, Lord, if it's you. Now, granted that all of us are still in the human body, we probably would have said the same thing. There's always going to be that that doubt. That's part of our humanity. But then Simon Peter asked the Lord to do something That was impossible. He said, Lord, if that's really you, let me come to where you are. How long has it been since you asked the Lord to let you do the impossible? How long since you told the Lord, let me do this? If it's really you. You see, Simon Peter knew that if that was really the Lord Jesus Christ, if Jesus told him to come, he could do it. Because Jesus never asked you to do anything he doesn't equip you to do. If you think about this, when Jesus came to Lazarus' tomb and he spoke to a dead man, Lazarus, come forth. He, at that moment, gave Lazarus the ability to be resurrected and come out of that tomb. How do you know that, preacher? Because Lazarus come out of the tomb. Makes sense, doesn't it? If the Lord tells you, and you know it's the Lord, do this. He has now equipped you to do it. What just happened before the storm? We fed 5,000. How'd we feed 5,000? We gave the Lord five little fish, two little breads, and he blessed it and gave it back to us. And what? And he said, you go and you share it with these people. 
and he gave them the ability to serve 5,000 men and women and children with that little bit. Why? Because he said to do it. The simple command from the Lord, verse number 29, come. In the midst of the storm, an opportunity for greatness. The other disciples were content to just be delivered from the storm. And this is always the way it is. Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. There's going to be that group of people that when Jesus comes and he calms their storm, they're not going to be satisfied with that. They're going to want to do the impossible. And all it takes is just following him. Hearing him say, come, was all that Simon Peter needed. Because the word of God says in verse number 30, uh, excuse me, in verse number 29, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. He did the impossible. Why? Because the Lord said, you can do it. Come. And immediately Peter's response was, get up out of the ship and get going. Peter is now doing the impossible. It should not surprise us when our Lord does the impossible. And it should not surprise us when he allows us to do the impossible. You ready for a great Bible truth? Our salvation and eternal expectation of glory all hinges on the impossible. It is impossible for one man to die and every person on the face of this earth that ever was to be born has the opportunity to live because of that one Man's death. It's an impossibility. But yet it happened. And the invitation is open to all who will come. Again, if you think about it, when you think about how vile and wicked we are, and I'm talking about even the best of us, okay? The word of God says there's none righteous, no, not one. All of sin, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners. And some of us, if you really knew us, you would say there's no way in the world that guy's ever going to get in heaven. And yet the promise from God, I've never lost a one. Isn't that something? The fact that you and I who are vile and wicked will one day dwell in eternity with a righteous God who has made us righteous. That's an impossibility. But we serve a God who rules and reigns over the realm of impossibility. And Simon Peter says, come. I mean, Jesus says, Come, and Simon Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water. Wouldn't it be great if it just stopped right there? But it doesn't, does it? Verse number 30 uh, presents, if you will, a hidden truth. 
And this is what really shook me to my foundation the other day when I was studying. God revealed this to me. The word of God says in verse number 30, And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. How many of you saw that? Can I witness to you? When you step out of the boat, you don't begin to sink. You sink. Amen. And if it's deep water, you go down. With you, I'm, I'll sink. You don't begin to sink. And yet the word of God says here. That when he began to sink. Wind still blowing. Seas still rough around him. He cried out and the Lord caught him. Now here's the truth I want you to see. Even though you've been saved. You're still in the world. In fact John's gospel 17th chapter. Jesus Christ is in the garden praying. And he prays for his disciples. And he also prays for those who will believe on him through their word. Which is you and I. And this is what he says. He says, Lord, they are in the world, but they're not out of the world. I do not pray that you would take them out of the world, but that you would empower them in the world. Now, what is a picture of the world? A picture of the world is the sea in which this boat is resting. And the wind is blowing. And the troubles are there. And there's a lot of temptations in this world. There's a lot of currents in a, in, a, in a body of water that if you're not careful, they'll pull you under in a moment. And the Bible says, as Simon Peter begins to sink in your Christian life, you need to be constantly aware of where you are in the world. And if you're sinking if you're beginning to sink, immediately you need to cry out to a Holy Father who can lift you out of that. The problem that we have with people that, that are getting into the church, and they're getting excited about God and they're living for the glory of God. And then six months, a year later, they're not, you can't find them. They've gotten involved in something. They, they're out there with somebody else's wife. They're in somebody else's club. They, they, they're involved in, in something that has, has choked the life out of them. What happened? They started to sink, but rather than crying out to God, they said, we can handle this. Simon Peter was a fisherman. He knew how to swim, but he had enough sense to cry out as he began to sink. Temptations are going to come to you, dear friend, and it's going to do everything it can to drag you down. And when you feel yourself starting to disappear into this world. Cry out. You are not of this world. You are a child of the king. And he has the same ability today. Uh, don't wait till you get neck deep. Somebody say amen right there. I don't understand Christians who want to kind of, we used to call it straddling the fence back in the day. You know what I'm talking about? They, they want to have, they want to have everything from Monday to Friday over here in the world. And on Saturday and Sunday, they want to love, somebody used to say they go out on Saturday night and they sow all of their wild oats. And then they come to church on Sunday morning and pray for a crop failure. 
Jesus said. Hello? Jesus, you cannot love the world and love God at the same time. You cannot have two masters. You'll love the one and hate the other, hate the one, love the other. No man can serve. And this is what he said. God and mammon are the world. You've been delivered from this. When you start sinking quickly, 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 cry out to the Lord. And the Bible says in verse 31, I love this, and immediately. That's my God. Amen. (laughs) That's my Lord. He is there to hear the cry of his children. And immediately, the Bible says, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him. And here's a gentle rebuke. O thou of little faith. Why did you doubt? Now listen. Everybody wants to throw rocks at Simon Peter. He walked on water. Oh, thou of little faith. Next time you're out here in the Wakulla River, St. Mark's River, or, or, or Oak Lightning, you just decide you got a good bottle of, uh, you know, a, a bucket of faith belt up in your soul. And you go ahead and step out on the water trusting you're going to walk on the water. The word of God says that Jesus caught him. And with that gentle rebuke. O thou of little faith. Verse 32 says this. And when they were come into the ship. The wind ceased. Did you see that? The whole time Simon Peter has been out there. With the Lord. The wind still been blowing. The waves have still been rolling. And it's still a time of storm. Verse number 32. And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Verse 33. And then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Faith activated in our life always brings glory to God. They never once stopped and congratulated Peter for walking on the water. They gave all the glory to the Lord. And that's the way it should be. Lesson number five. Why in the world would Jesus Christ send them? He is the sovereign God of glory. According to Colossians chapter one, all by him, all things consist. So, Why would he, knowing that the storm was out there, tell his disciples, get in the boat, go to the other side, knowing that they were going into a storm? Mark chapter number six and verse number 52 gives the answer. The Bible says, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves. Listen. For their heart was hardened. At the end of this scenario. Where Simon Peter walks on the water. And the storm stops. They're sitting there wondering. Why did we have to go through this? You ever done that? You ever come to the uh, the other side of a situation. And you look back and say. Lord why did I have to go through that? Here it is. The Bible says they considered not 
the loaves. We're back over to feeding 5,000 again. When those disciples took up those baskets, how many did they take? Twelve. Isn't that amazing? They took up one basket for every disciple. And the Bible says, verse number 11, excuse me, back over in Matthew's gospel, verse number 22, and straightway, Jesus gets on. So they're carrying their basket full of fragments. And they got in the ship. What do you think they did with those fragments? Probably set them right down at their feet. If you've ever seen those ships that they're talking about here, they're not talking about a 26-foot bay liner, okay? They're talking about something that had one sail right in the middle of it, and most of the time they were rowing. And there was not a whole lot of room. And so they would take this, and they would set it right down there. Now, here they are. They're out there, and they're struggling, and they're rowing, and they're struggling, and they're rowing. And there's that bread looking at them. And yet they don't realize that the same person that did that miracle can handle anything that comes in their life. In fact, your Bible goes so far to say that their heart was hardened. It's important for us to remember what the Lord has already done. It's important for us to have testimony times where the saints of God tell us how that God moved in their life for his honor and for his glory. Over in the last time I got to uh, teach in here, I shared with you the possibility of limiting God. And one of the things that was mentioned to us out of Psalms, the 78th chapter, is that the children of Israel limited God by forgetting what God had already done for them. In fact, verse number 11, the Bible says of Psalm 78, they forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Psalm 78, 32, the Bible says, for all this they sinned still and believed not for his wondrous works. Again, in Psalm 78, verses 41 through 43, yea, they turned back, they tempted God, they limited the Holy One of Israel they remembered not his hand, nor the day that he delivered them from the enemy. You see, the problem with the storm is all the disciples could see was what was happening to them right then. In that crisis moment, all they could think about was, how are we going to get out of this? And they never considered what had just happened to them that afternoon. They forgot how that God had already moved in their life. And that if they would trust him, he could continue to move. It's time to remember and just praise God for what he's done. Tremendous truths from a storm. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. I pray, Lord God, we've been clear tonight. I ask you to continue to speak to our hearts. I know that storms are real. I, we go through storms all the time. Sometimes they're little storms. Sometimes they're big storms. And yet every storm is under your control. There's never been a storm in my life or any born again child of God's life that you forsook them. 
Your word says that you are always going to be with us, Hebrews 13, 5. That you're going to walk with us through this veil of flesh and that you're going to watch over us. And so, Lord God, tonight, I, I thank you for what you've already done. And I'm praising you, God, for what you may be about to do in my life and in the life of this church to make us more like you. It's going to be a fiery trial. But the purpose is to make us more into your image. The purpose is to purify us and get us to be more like you. Oh, God, I want to walk on water. I want you, Lord God, to speak to my heart and say, come. And I want to obediently follow you to do the impossible. May it be so in this church, in this country, for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for putting up with me tonight. Brother Derek will be back next week. Amen. Bless you for that. Bless you for that. You're dismissed at this time. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info rolcrawfordville.com We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 10.30am in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.